This episode of Stories of an Extraordinary Industry is brought to you by Densdeck Roofboards. To learn more, go to densdeck.com slash stop callbacks. Welcome to Stories of an Extraordinary Industry podcast, a production of the National Roofing Contractors Association. I am your host, Jared Ribble. This podcast is all about telling stories that would make you proud of the great things being done in the roofing industry and that you might learn something along the way. If this is your first time listening, welcome, come along. If you like what you hear, give the podcast a thumbs up and a rating in whatever podcast platform you are listening to. Mike Rowe, you know, he hosts Discovery's Dirty Jobs and Somebody's Gotta Do It, has a unique way of talking about following your passions. In fact, he tells you not to. In a commencement speech for Prager University, Mike said, hey, look, if you're talking about your hobby, by all means, let your passions lead you. But when it comes to making a living, it's easy to forget the dirty truth. Just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean you won't suck at it. While these aren't easy words to hear for anyone with a passion, our guest today has taken those words to heart in many ways. He has followed Mike's ultimate advice and seen that if he goes where opportunities lead him and brings his passions with him, he makes a far greater impact in the world in which he has been placed. Travel with us to Texas to meet a mover and shaker in our industry who has taken his opportunities and multiplied them. Hi, my name's Jason Stanley. I'm the CEO of IB Roof Systems and also the president and CEO of Labor Central. Um, I'm a board member at the NRCA, a father of five, and um, just, just pleased to be here today and so excited to be in the roofing industry. Jason's company has been around a long time, and while he is a father of five, he is also the youngest of five boys, which all had a hand at one point or another in this company their father started. So my father started back in 1978, so I got a a young introduction to roofing. Um, When your father is an engineer and a school teacher, uh, his summers are free. And if you have five uh, healthy boys, right, you have basically a roofing crew right there. So probably the age of 13 uh, is when I first started getting up on roofs and uh, worked summers from the time I was 13 until I uh, went to college. And then uh, after college, I wanted to start uh, my own roofing company. So I moved to Seattle and did that long enough to know that I did not want to run a roofing company. And um, the roofing manufacturing side was a much better fit for me. And so I became a sales rep for my father's company in Seattle. And then um, after a number of years, became the Western Regional Manager. And then after a number of years, became the VP of Business Development. And today I've been the CEO now for uh, 13 years at IB Roof Systems. We manufacture uh, PVC single ply and then all the other accessories that go with it, adhesives, insulation, other products. But we sell um, PVC single ply roofing in both commercial and residential low slope roofing applications. And that's what we've done for 40, 40 plus years. So 1978 is when we started. We were importing products from Germany. 
And um, now we uh, produce products uh, in Canada and um, distribute them throughout North America and even ship back into Europe now some uh, a bit as well, which is great. As the youngest of five Stanley boys, there was a lot of family in the company prior to Jason becoming CEO. But after his father moved on from the company, Jason was not the first brother to take over. uh, My brother Trace uh, sort of uh, took over the throne, if you will, and the leadership role. We actually had a really good dynamic. Everyone kind of filled in their own niche. Joel was more operations. I was more sales. Sean was uh, marketing. And Trace was uh, was more in, um, in, a, in a leadership role and technical. And uh, being the second oldest, um, he, uh, he took that leadership role in the hierarchy of the family. But as he got older and he was in his 50s, um, he didn't want that anymore. Um, Trace, Trace would have preferred to sell the business and um, secure his fortune, if you will, at 50 years old to, to take the money and be able to invest it as he saw fit. So uh, there was a pretty big conflict in the family. And uh, so at that point, I chose to buy Trace out and became a majority shareholder of the company and then became the CEO as well. We learned as brothers how to work together. There was it wasn't always pleasant, right? Um, we treated each other like brothers, even in business meetings. And um, but we could always just shake hands and go to lunch afterwards and, and have a good time. It, um, it was a really great dynamic. And uh, I still enjoy today being able to work with with my brothers. Jason still has three of his four brothers involved in the company in some facet, and their mom is still involved as an active shareholder. He really appreciated his family still being a part of the company and loves that the foundation they started on is still something that resonates today. When we talk about a family business, you always think about the ownership or the shareholders, right? But uh, it's incredible here today. We have many of our either leadership or even just other employees that either have a son or daughter that works here um, or a brother or sister that works here within the business. Um, So it's really great to not only talk about a family business from an ownership perspective, but I would suggest we're a real family business in the sense of there's lots of parents that have their kids come and learn a work ethic here to learn a job or a skill set. And um, it's it's awesome to see that. IB has always had a culture of giving, but they had done so quietly. See, Jason felt strongly that if they were to give to others, that it was meant to be done in secret. But once he met the man Charles Antis, CEO of Antis Roofing in Southern California, this mindset changed. Talking about a giving, right? we as a company have been doing a program called Friends and Family where we sell the materials at half cost. Um, and the joke is if it's your mother's house, if it's the church you go to, or if it's your own building and you're donating your labor, well, you qualify for friends and family. Um, it doesn't go through any sort of approvals and there is no square footage size. We just donated one uh, on a project. Uh, it's for their own building and the job's 50,000 square feet. So that's not a small project and it's not a small give. but But it's done routinely here and has been done for 20 some years. What's changed is now we started talking about it. 
Um, so this giving has been going on. It's been part of the culture, part of the legacy of the company that we quietly give away and assist and help hundreds of churches, um, noble causes with Boys and Girls Club. Well, we've all done it so quietly. And uh, I remember Charles Antis, uh, who's not so quiet, right? We all love Charles, uh, who brought us into a project with the Boys and Girls Club. And um, he asked if we would donate the roof for the Boys and Girls Club in California. They'd been closed due to COVID and then they were about to reopen and they'd lost too many granules on the asphaltic roof and it no longer met class A. And so they'd have to put a new roof on it before they could open up this Boys and Girls Club. And it was a really compelling story and we said yes. And um, so we went to go supply the roofing materials for it. And um, Charles said, you got to fly here for the job and we got to take a picture and we got to walk the job. And it's like, well, that's not really what we do, right? We just, just quietly give it away. And uh, I remember a couple months later, I opened up Professional Roofing Magazine and in the centerfold of Professional Roofing Magazine was this job. And I was a bit uh, taken back because we didn't give the material to get this centerfold press release on Ivy Roof Systems uh, and giving on this Boys and Girls Club. So I felt a little awkward by it, right? I wasn't used to being put in the spotlight. And so I actually pulled Charles aside at one of the meetings. We had a really uh, in-depth conversation about giving and giving openly. And what I'd been taught was, right, if you give in secret, you'll be rewarded openly. And for those that do it openly, well, then you have your reward. And so I was really conflicted by this. And how do you give openly and not be perceived as boastful or arrogant in, in doing these gives? And uh, I think Charles was a little more mature than I am. And he said, I don't care. Uh, I don't care how people perceive me. Uh, I know in my heart the reason why I'm giving and what I'm doing and let them judge, right? That's that's on them. And if you're doing it with, with genuine intent and you're doing it for right, the, the right reasons, then, then you're fine. And uh, I've found that as I've grown older as well, right? That I... Uh, I, I care less about whether people think of me. I don't spend a lot of time trying to convince people I'm a good person, right? I, I am who I am, and, and we've done these good things and good deeds for, for decades, not for years, but for decades. But what's changed now is we give them openly, and we talk about them. And we're a small roofing manufacturer when it comes to the, the multi-billion dollar manufacturers that are in our industry. And what Charles said is, what if they can see what you do and they can multiply what you're doing and the impact you can have in kind of paying it forward and seeing the impact you can have on the industry can be tremendous. And Charles was 100% right. Uh, we got invited to give on another Boys and Girls Club project after we gave on the last one and then another one and another one. And then Reed Ribble and Bill Good came to me at the International Roofing Expo and ask if we would give for the Ronald McDonald House. And without hesitation, I said, sure, yeah, we'd be happy to give. And we went over to the NRCA booth and we started talking about it more in depth. And it was only then that they told us it was the world's largest Ronald McDonald House. And it was new construction. It wasn't just a re-roof project where there was some membrane and some accessories. This, this was a whole project that was over 30,000 square feet. Uh, multiple roofs with Calcaruth roofing. And uh, there was a bit of a lump in my throat of, wow, um, that that's a lot. And I agreed to it, but 
how do we make this happen? So I immediately went to USG, started talking with them about how they could potentially help with the cover board. I went to Hunter Panel, spoke with them about how could they participate with the installation. And what I found was because I said yes, there was all these other people that jumped on to help out and move the process forward. And while it was a, a painful give, what an amazing project that turned out to be. The, the grand opening was just a few weeks ago, um, an incredible building that provides shelter for thousands and thousands of needed people. Um, it's just, it's an incredible give. And now we've been invited to participate in another one. I actually think it was just completed down in uh, Orange County. And then there's another one in uh, in the Carolinas. So um, that the giving doesn't stop. Um, once you open your heart to it and start saying yes, you, you start to find a way. And then as you start to talk about it, right, there are other people that just want to get involved. And we've seen so many people now are so excited about the Ronald McDonald House and Boys and Girls Club and finding ways to give that, that I really feel like our our leadership and our our example is truly being um, multiplied by the wonderful people in this industry. Jason was convinced after their first gift to the Boys and Girls Club project that what Charles said was true, that if he continued to give and make it known, not only would more opportunities come about that would multiply their giving, but other people would step up and give as well, which would cause the small giving to turn into great impact. Jason is a guy who has seen the opportunities he has been presented multiply not only their company's impact, but multiply his passions as well. As he began to give to nonprofits like Ronald McDonald Charities and the Boys and Girls Club, he also began to give back to communities in need around the world and to the very industry he makes his living in. When we come back, we will hear more about the ways in which he has been able to give back and how he is putting his own stamp on making our industry better. Are your clients thinking about what their roof will look like in the future? Building owners need your expertise when it comes to extending the life of their commercial roof. That's when you tell them about Densdeck Roof Boards with three solutions to fit various design intent. Our original gypsum coverboard protects against foot traffic, weather events, and fire. It also has the strength needed to support future roof installs like solar panels and HVAC. Use Densdeck Prime Roof Board to enhance your roof's moisture resistance. And finally, protect your roof from extreme wind uplift and hail damage with Densdeck Storm X Prime Roof Board. They're FM classified for very severe hail in approved single ply membrane assemblies. So help your clients choose a resilient roof system and make sure Densdeck roof boards don't get value engineered out of your next job. You'll strengthen your rooftops and your customer relationships. Visit densdeck.com slash stop callbacks for more information. You enjoy roofing podcasts, so I want to introduce you to my friend, John Espenshade. He is the host of a podcast I love called Growing America's Roofing Workforce. John, tell us about this important podcast. Hey, Jared. Growing America's Roofing Workforce is all about answering this one simple question. 
What can we all do to help grow the roofing industry's future workforce? I bring an expert guest to discuss different ways to help recruit, train, and retain future members of the roofing industry. It's a fun and engaging conversation all about finding solutions to the roofing industry's greatest problem, finding and recruiting great talent. Listen and subscribe to Growing America's Roofing Workforce podcast. You will be glad you did. Welcome back. As we heard before the break, Jason Stanley of IB Roof Systems has found multiple areas to be able to give back from the resources his company has maintained. And in doing so, he has discovered a wealth of people who want to join him along the way. So what I found is that people are extremely generous and kind. They just, they don't know how to, to give. They don't know how to provide an impact. And so if you can create a path for them to give, it's incredible how many people will open their hearts and their, their wallets to move things forward that you feel passionate about and that they feel like um, can actually make a difference. Uh, I'll give you a good example. We, we've done these uh, contractor retreats for 20 some years where we go to some remote location. Uh, maybe it's Jamaica or it's uh, Cancun or someplace. And uh, after COVID, uh, we were going to Jamaica. And for those that don't know, uh, Jamaica was literally devastated during during COVID, right? Without the tourism that they depend on, um, the, the country was truly impoverished. And so we thought, how can we go to Jamaica and have fun and feel good about going to this place where these people are just truly destitute? And so we started looking at uh, how can we participate and how can we give back to the community? And so we organized a um, food drive and uh, we donated the, the money for it. I had some people go in ahead of time and they went and bought tens of thousands of pounds of food. And then we had our contractors that came help fill these bags of food, right? It took a, a couple hundred people and quite a bit of effort to take rice and beans and different items and sort them into these bags. And um, I remember... Uh, Many of our customers that were there were just, I mean, crying at seeing these these people that we were giving these bags to. In some cases, the bags were so heavy and the food was so heavy that people could carry it home. Um, so we ended up getting taxis for these people and we had all these strong roofers carrying 80 pound bags of food, right? To these taxis to give them to these ladies so they could drive them home to their families. And it, it was powerful. So the next year, these uh, contractors said, how can we participate? I know you guys organized the effort, you guys paid for it, and we just got to put the food into, into bags, but how can we participate? And so we opened a, um, a fund to where prior to the trip, and even if you weren't coming on the trip, you could give. And we said we'd match the first, uh, I think it was up to $5,000. And in a couple of days, we'd already maxed out our donation. So we were over $10,000. And then um, we um, opened it up even more and agreed to match even more. And the amount of money that just poured in was, we couldn't almost even spend it all. The hotel said, this, this is too much money to even organize this large of a drive. But we went back the next year and, and did it even better. And, um, and people felt, felt so much more empowered because they were not only able to participate 
in the organization event that we put together, but they were able to participate with their wallets as well. And it was remarkable. That tradition now has continued. And every year people are asking, what are we doing this year? How can we help? And they're now pushing us to try and organize these efforts. Our last one was in um, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, uh, which is also a, a pretty impoverished. You don't have to go very far off kind of hotel row to find people in blue tarps and, um, and you know, homelessness and poverty is, is all around. You just, you only have to drive a few miles away to, to get it. And we organized a food drive there. I think that was our biggest one yet. And we, we pulled together nearly 40,000 pounds of food. Uh, it was distributed to over 300 families. And the cool thing was, is the hotel got really involved and engaged in it. And for the first time, we were actually able to, to drive the food out to this village um, that we were um, donating the food to. And I recall even getting teary-eyed as we pulled up and you watched hundreds of people that were there lined up to receive this food. I mean, everybody was waiting for it. And when we got there, um, we it took hours to unload this truck and pass out, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds of food to these people that were just so ec ecstatic to relieve it, uh, to receive this this gift that, uh, that we put together for them. And as we uh, pulled away, um, we were talking in the car about the give and how great it was and how good it felt. And um, there was about $10,000 of extra money that we hadn't yet spent. Um, it came in late and we didn't have, um, we couldn't buy enough food in time to, to give it away. So we were looking for other gives that we could do. And someone in the backseat mentioned um, the school didn't have any windows and it had dirt floors. And so we stopped the car and we went back. And we talked to the head of the school and we said, well, what are you looking for? Do you need anything for improvements? And they're like, if we just had windows and we could pour concrete, right? Um, we get these spiders or tarantulas that come in and it's a huge distraction for the kids and they're always dirty because of the dirt that's outside and all around. If we just had a concrete pad for the kids to play in, especially during the rainy season, it would keep the place so much cleaner. But the cost is, is enormous. And we asked what it was. It happened to be $10,000, right? the exact amount that, that we had left in our budget to spend. Jason's giving passion has become contagious. And now that he has built this reputation, other companies are reaching out to have Jason get involved in their own giving campaigns, making an even greater impact in other parts of our country. When you're known right now for, for giving and, and giving openly and generously and organizing these projects, you become a lightning rod for opportunities. So uh, Darby, uh, which is Socatech uh, in Seattle, Washington, called me a month ago and said, you wouldn't believe it, I just came out of this CSI meeting and there's this awesome company that's doing amazing things for homeless people in the Northwest. It's called Sound Foundations Northwest. And um, I was a little put off like, well, I mean, why are you calling me, right? This is... You, you may specify our products and we have a manufacturer and a consulting relationship, but you're calling me based on you saw this. And she's like, I think you could do something great with this. And so Darby was looking for us to help 
organize an effort. And it was incredible in, in literally no time with Darby's effort and our efforts of, of Gage, who's our sales rep in the Northwest, we were able to get on National Women Roofing is on board, CSI is on board, uh, IBEC for the Northwest is on board, the Roofing Contractors Association of Washington's on board, Roofers Coffee Shop. And now you have this huge group of people that are now going to help sponsor a material drive for Sound Foundations Northwest. And if you hadn't heard of Sound Foundations Northwest, what they're building tiny homes for these homeless people and basically bringing them in and giving them counseling, uh, drug assistance, and then getting them off the street. And they have a 50% rate of people that come into these tiny home communities transition out back into society. So it's, it's just an incredible story, but you become a lightning rod for these sort of events uh, based on your track record, based on your, your generosity, and based on, I think, your, your willingness to, to give and roll up your sleeves and, and do good things. When asked, Jason and IB Roof Systems will continue to show up and be a part of the projects that serve the ones that need it most. Jason, as we wrap our time together, give us your final words of wisdom. If you can create a pathway for people to give, people give generously. And if you're looking for opportunities to give, they are all around us all the time. We are so proud of the work IB Roof Systems is doing to serve our communities and the industry every day. Jason Stanley, thank you for telling us your story and everything you are doing to elevate the roofing industry. You are an extraordinary roofer. Folks, we are out of time, but there is so much more Jason has to share. So stick around at the conclusion of this episode to hear some bonus words from Jason about the work he is doing to bring two groups of people together that need each other most, roofing contractors and labor. Don't go anywhere. We could not produce this episode without the help from our sponsor, Densdeck. Go to densdeck.com slash stop callbacks to learn all about how Densdeck roof boards help protect against routine foot traffic, future installs, catastrophic weather events, and fire. Also, don't forget about John Espenshade's podcast, Growing America's Roofing Workforce, helping roofing companies attract and retain roofing talent. If you found this episode valuable, share it with someone you know that needs to hear it and give it a rating on whatever podcast platform you are listening to. This episode was written and produced for the National Roofing Contractors Association by Crystal Ribble and Advantage Music Production. I am your host, Jared Ribble, and as always, be well, be safe, and be proud of this great industry. Jason, with all the good things that you are involved in, which project has you most excited waking up every day? One thing I get excited about when I wake up in the morning is, is this company called Labor Central. I'm the founder of Labor Central. It's kind of a funny story how it got started. Um, I was riding with one of our sales reps and we just walked a 
a nice project with a roofing contractor. We made a presentation to a building owner and I was just riding along and uh, in, enjoying it. And we, we won the contract and we got in the truck and the roofing contractor's there and my sales rep is there and I'm sitting in the back seat. And everybody's high-fiving about this incredible job that we just got awarded. And um, the contractor looked to my sales reps and he said, do, do you have a crew? And I'm glad they couldn't see me because I sit in the back of the seat in the back seat. And my jaw dropped like, are you kidding me? I mean, we just helped you write the specs for this job, helped you land the project. And now you're asking if we have labor. I mean, we're the manufacturer for heaven's sake. And so the contractor got out of the truck and I turned to my sales rep and I said, how often do you get that question? And he goes, every day. Every day. He's like, yeah, the roofing contractors can't find enough labor to do their work. And so uh, I typically know some crews and I have some guys and I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So as I started to explore this more, I found out that all of our sales reps, it wasn't a Texas thing. From East Coast to West Coast, um, roofing contractors are starved for labor and especially skilled labor crews. And so I went about starting to build a database for our own selfish purposes to have a crew database. Because if if the sales rep knew all the crews in the market and our tech reps could qualify them, whether they were good crews or bad crews, we could get good referrals and we could help our contractors find the necessary labor to pull forward the projects. So I thought it was a real win-win. Well, as I started to dig into this deeper, you know, we're, we're a small percentage. We're 4% of the PVC total market share. So, um, and we're a fraction of the total low slope. And then of course the steep slope roofing market. I found this was an industry-wide issue. And so um, I, I took it out of the hands of Ivy Roof Systems and created this company called Labor Central. And Labor Central connects skilled roofing labor crews with roofing contractors. And as I got into the weeds on the skilled labor side, it was incredible that these guys are desperate for work. So how can the two things be true at the same time that roofing contractors can't find labor and skilled labor crews can't find work? And so there was needed this connection of how do you find and rate crews? And then how can we build a platform in which roofing contractors can quickly post a job or search for crews and then find the necessary labor uh, to do the work? And it's it's been an incredible um, three years now. We've now got GAF is on board and IKO and SRS. And now we're signing our first um, channel partner outside of roofing, which is LP Siding. So what I also found is this isn't a roofing-centric issue. This is a construction-wide issue. It's in concrete. It's in framing. It's in painting, drywall, windows, siding. Every facet of the construction envelope is desperate for skilled labor crews. And these skilled labor crews can't seem to find enough work. So that's Labor Central. So I feel like it's making a real impact in our industry, which, you know, at 51, right, we start looking for ways of what is my legacy going to be? Um, what am I going to be remembered for? How can I do meaningful things? And I feel like Labor Central is probably one of the most meaningful things I've done in, in my life to try and transform and change the industry from how we used to do work 
to how we can work better and smarter today.